There we go. Got the thumbs up in the back. We're good to go. All right, everybody. Bet you can't guess what book we're going to today. Proverbs. So go ahead and turn it open to... I mean, it's only 31 pages long, so just grab one of the pages for now, so we'll be flipping through a whole bunch of them. So I'm going to start you with a little challenge this morning. Let's see. Proverbs trivia. I want you to find for me this proverb, or who knows it by heart and can call out the reference for me. You ready? You all listening? Yeah, I guess some of you listen real time, because you know you're Bible scholars. Ready? Here we go. It is better to be thought of as a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Once again, it is better to be thought of as a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. If you don't know that kind of lingo, I'll put it this way. Ready? It's better for someone to think of you as um, a fool than to open your mouth and prove they're, that they're right. Okay? I'm trying to use church-friendly language. All right? It is better to be thought of as a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Where is that found in Proverbs? It's not. It's a joke. Gotcha. It's actually quoted from Abraham Lincoln. Um, that's where I could find the oldest version of it coming around. But it is um, loosely tied to Proverbs, okay? Uh, may it don't be a wise thing. It's not actually found in the Bible. Um, but I heard that my whole life growing up, that uh, proverb. And it was said to me many a times by wise men counseling me in times when I was saying things to prove that I was a fool. So, uh, <laughs> it's close. Yeah, Proverbs 18 says. A fool's mouth is a ruin. Yes, there are things in Proverbs that we will look at today that are similar to it, but not that exact wording. Um, but today we're not going to be studying what Abraham Lincoln said. We're going to be studying what the Word of God says. Okay? So my, my uh, vision for today, my, my plan for today is this. We're going to look at how Proverbs teaches us to talk and how not to talk. And we're going to be looking at a variety of different verses. And seeing what can be applicable, this can be very applicable. Uh, and probably mostly learning from my life experiences, since they're my personal ones and they're the easiest ones for me to come up with. And if I have to embarrass someone, I might as well be myself. Okay? So we'll be looking at a lot of applicable situations. And maybe if you're a human being like me, maybe you've been in a scenario similar to mine and you can relate to it. Or maybe you have a temper like mine and maybe you can relate to that. And we could something uh, learn through this. So... Um, Let's open a word of prayer before we get going. Lord, God, we give you thanks that you are the great I am. And Lord, I pray that what we're saying will be true of us, is that we would simply desire your Son. And just give us your Son, and we would be happy with life. Lord, this morning as we open your word and study from Proverbs, Lord, Proverbs is a very challenging book. It's a book that really uh, can yank at your heart and help you realize that there's things that are wrong. Lord, please give us soft hearts. Don't fill us full of pride. Break down our walls, Lord, so that we may hear what you have to say. And may we actually leave here change people, a people here who imitate your Son better to the world. Lord, we give you thanks. And we ask you for these things. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Okay. All right. So we're going to be all over the place today. So we'll start with Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, verse 3. There are many different translations in Proverbs, uh, as you know, in, in the Bible, and they all come out very, not very differently, but there are different unique twists depending on which translation you get. But uh, here's the one that I, that I was reading from. It says this: 
Proverbs 14, verse 3. A fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. The fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. A fool's mouth lashes out with pride. What does it mean to lash out? To speak a lot, right? Um, I don't know about you, but do you know anybody who talks a lot? Like, talks a lot. They never cease talking. Okay? But what does it say about people who talk too much? Alright? You might be a fool. Talking is not a bad thing. And there are times when it's important to talk and communicate with other people. But there are times when if you talk too much, you could be considered as a fool. Alright? Um, I had this co-worker. Ugh. I don't know if you guys have co-workers. I have a co-worker. And uh, I have to work with him. All right? And unfortunately, I have to work closely with him. He's a nice guy and all. He talks too much. And I have to like teach, coincide with him. And I'm planning, I, I've planned out a project that I'm doing with his class. So I'm in charge of the shop at my school. And I'm in charge of designing projects for our students to do and collaborate with other teachers. And I have to organize other teachers' schedules and what they need to teach in their class so that when they come to me as a shop teacher, their students are prepared to build a project that we've designed together. So I went to this other teacher and I gave him a list, because I have experience with this teacher, that he needs a detailed list of everything that he's got to do before he comes to see me. So I printed out 16 step-by-step instructions. Boom, 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 boom. You need to do this with your students, this with your students. By this date, have this done. By this date, I have this done. Yes, 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 yes. And always, he, he over-talks me the whole time. Yes, yes, yes. I got this. 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 And I'm like, oh. You can never talk to him because he's always trying to talk over me. Have you ever noticed someone like that? They're always trying to talk over me. They're not trying to be mean. They're not trying to be rude. I'm not saying they're not trying to be rude. But they just talk all the time. And you can't get a single word out. The Bible calls that a fool. I hope if you look at your own life and investigate your own life a little bit, are you someone who just nonstop talks and doesn't give other people the opportunity to speak? Are you a good listener? And we're going to look at some verses that talk about listening. Okay? But someone who is wise is someone who moderates, someone who controls the volume, the amount of words that come out of your mouth. Okay? Now, there are jobs that require you to talk for a living. And there are jobs that don't require you to talk for a living. Okay? So obviously, if you're a lawyer, an attorney, you're standing for a job, this is your job to speak for a living. Okay? And it's good to be eloquent with words. But there are times when talking too much actually just makes you turn them off. All right? Uh, I got another coworker, and uh, he likes to get in heated debates very quickly. And we had a heated debate once, and I literally spoke. 15 seconds out of a 20-minute conversation. He yelled at me for 20 minutes, and I spoke for 15 seconds. Guess how long I actually intently listened to him and tried to hear what he had to say? I tried really hard. Because he claims to be a Christian, I claim to be a Christian, and I'm like, and he just ranted at me for 20 minutes. I turned him off in the first five. Just stop listening to him. He kept going. I was going to let him do his thing, let him get all of his words, all of his emotions out. I was hoping that maybe when it was all over, we could actually have a conversation. And, 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 and nothing beneficial came out of the conversation. 
he went on. I tried to open my mouth. He went right, ran, ran me right over with his words. I said, oh, okay. I never raised my voice. I tried to keep a cool, calm attitude the whole time. But there are people out there, hopefully it's not us as believers, who just talk over people all the time. Proverbs 10.19. Proverbs 10.19. I just want to support this thought, okay? I want to support this thought. Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, when you talk a lot, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. When words are many, sin is not absent. How many of you have ever been in a discussion with someone close to you? Maybe a wife, spouse, friend, a parent, a co-worker. You've been in a discussion, and the discussion starts going along the lines as you're not seeing eye to eye. You're having a disagreement. And disagreements are, can, can be healthy. They can be productive. But most of the time as human beings, when discussions come up and disagreements happen, production does not happen anymore. Production of good things stops happening. And usually becomes into an argument. And people start yelling and get heated emotions and stuff like that. How many times has an argument ever been won by you talking over the other person, talking more than the other person, and talking too much? How many times has you actually win the argument and something beneficial comes out of that? In my own life experience, in my own home, nothing ever beneficial comes out of that. All it does is by... Me multiplying my words, me trying to get my point across stronger, higher, louder than my wife's point of view, <laughs> does not bring blessing to my home. <laughs> me trying to be louder, more multiplying of words, me talking over, getting my point across more and more, having more arguments to throw at her. I'm right because of this, 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 and this. Does never, ever bring anything beneficial to my home, to my workplace. Nothing. And typically, when you get that heated and that intense and you're not winning, what usually do you start to do? What do you usually start to do? You're getting louder, right? Getting loud may or may not be a sin, may or may not be a sin, but what's going on in the heart? What usually starts to happen? Well, you're not listening. I'm going to start name-calling. I'm going to start, hold me, look at this, yeah. When you've lost your temper, you first begin by exaggerating the truth a little bit, don't you? Well, you never do this, this, or that. Well, is that 100% the case? All right, uh, Mike, you never cut the chapel grass. I can't stand you not doing your share of the load here at church. Now, is that a true statement? Does he never cut the grass here at church? No, that's not true. He has many times cut the grass here at church. What did I just do? Maybe he doesn't do it the most. Maybe there are more people out there who do it more frequently than him. But I've just taken what is not true and exaggerated the fact that he might come here a few times a year into he never comes here. I just insulted him. I just insulted him. When things are not going our way, what do we do? We refer back to starting to Twist the truth around to the point where we now insult someone and hurt their feelings. Why is that? It's because we have multiplied our words. If we have simply started our discussion, started our argument or debate, 
and realize at the beginning that maybe this is not going in the direction that it should be going, it's not healthy right now, and we just simply shut our mouths, what does the Bible say about that? You're a wise person. Because you realize what's coming down the road. How many of you have had so many arguments in your life that you've started an argument and you already know what's going to happen? I've been down this road before, and the last time I said this, this, and this, this is what happened. It didn't turn out well. How many of you have actually had the foresight knowledge to see something coming down the road that you should have done? <laughs> yeah. And how many of you have seen what's coming down the road and you keep doing it anyways because <laughs> you don't care? <laughs> yeah, right? The scripture calls us fools. What is the definition of a fool? Someone who lacks good sense. You lack common good sense. You lack godly sense. It is better to shut your mouth, walk away from that situation, come back when cooler minds prevail, and pick up a conversation. Proverbs 15, 8, uh, 15, 18. Proverbs 15, 18. This is one that's pretty well known. <coughs> a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. It's very hard for someone to have an argument and a fight with someone who's being calm. It's very frustrating. Because when you're in a fight, you want the other person yelling too. That way it justifies you yelling. When you're the one doing all the yelling and the other person is not yelling, it's very frustrating. Because you look like a fool when you, when you analyze yourself. A calm, what does it say? But a patient man calms a quarrel. It is hard to be that person. It is hard to be the person who is calm and collective and respectful of the person who is who's upset. And typically when someone's upset, their emotions are hurt, people's emotions are real, and they may have some legitimacy to their, to their point. A lot of times when people are upset, they don't get upset about nothing. They usually have some rationale for being upset. And many times that rationale could be a real thing. And you do need to hear them out. And a calm, quiet, respectful of persons is someone who in a godly way can listen to what they're saying and get down to the root of the matter. Hard to do. Hard to do. To listen through all the hot temperedness of someone else to see what the root of the issue is and hear them out. Are we patient people? Are we patient people with our friends? Are we patient people with our coworkers? Are we patient people with our spouses? It's hard to do because it's not a natural thing. All right. So that was a little section on talking too much, being hot-headed and tempered. Let's switch tracks a little bit. Let's look at what the Bible says about gossiping. Proverbs 16.28. Everything today has to do with talking. Proverbs 16.28. A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates 
close friends. Uh, we know many a times, and when it's, when it's preached from the pulpit about gospel, who is it usually pointed at? Typically pointed at females. Now, we always say, men, we have a problem too. No, it is true, guys, we have a problem with gossip too. All right? we, we all do. All, all human beings, I, I include myself here, if you're anything like me, we have problems with gossip. What is, what is, let's define gossip for once, just to put it out there, right? So, gossip is a person who habitually reveals personal or sensitive facts about others. Do you know something sensitive or personal about someone else, and you go and talk about it with someone else? Are you a person who repeats stories of others? Or do you share rumors involving other people's personal lives? A lot of times when I'm hanging out with friends or other people, and I, they, they share with me, they confide in me one of their deep stories. I'm like, wow. Instantaneously, I'm like, man, that's a good story. I wonder who I could share it with later. I, I don't know about you, but I'm the person, when I hear something good, my natural instinct is, I'm going to hold on to that. Let me get every juicy detail out of the story. And let me hold on to these facts. And who do you think I could share? You know what? My dad might be a good person to call and talk to this one about. You know what? I should probably call Jared and talk to this. I don't know. Like, who am I going to share this story with? You know what? I'm going to share this story with a coworker who, does not, who doesn't know that person so that they're never crisscrossed paths. All right? Does your mind instantly go that way? When someone confides in you, do you instantaneously start thinking about how you can start talking about the story again to someone else? My mind does it sick. My mind does that. And I've come to the point now in my life where if I'm hopefully loving enough of that individual, here's what I try and do. When someone starts sharing with me a story about themselves, I purposefully make a mental note. And if I don't tell myself this, I know it's a problem later down the road. The story that I'm hearing right now, I'm not going to bring up again with anyone else. If I don't make a conscious decision while they're talking to lock this away in a vault and do not bring it up again, guess what does happen? I don't even realize it and it's coming up again. But if I have told myself and I repeat it to myself to lock this away, it doesn't come up again. Because I've already made a mental note that when I hear these words or think these thoughts, I've already purposed to lock it away. It's not coming out. But I have to consciously do that in the moment. Because when I'm speaking with someone else, guess what happens on the fly? Multiples of words start flying out. And I'm not thinking about what I'm saying. Oops, all of a sudden I just slipped out and now it's too late. I'm already committed to telling a story. I've got to finish the story now, right? Because I'm already into it. When people share with you the stories, do not talk to other people about them. That's wrong. Because 99% of the time what happens is this. It's like the uh, um, telephone game. Hey, I heard this. Oh, you heard that. You heard this. By the time you get all the way down the line, guess what? The story ain't even close to the same no more. I have seen it in families. My own family's had this problem. So-and-so said this, so-and-so said that, so-and-so said this, and so-and-so said, did you hear that? All of a sudden, that person never said what the original, that, that, what was just last said. It's not at all what the original person said to begin with. But now we have this whole issue, and nobody's talking to each other anymore. A whole family completely divided over something small that was once said that could have been easily dealt with. But now, nobody's, no one's talking to each other because of, well, they said that this was going to happen if they did this. 
They never said that. But because it's been repeated so many times on the line, boom, massive issue now. Family's not talking no more. Like that, that's wrong. That's wrong. All because of gossip. In this assembly, we are a family. We need to be a family that can be trusted with other people's personal lives issues. I should have no problem talking to Scott about my personal issues, knowing that he's going to hold on to them. That shouldn't be a problem. I should not have any difficulty going to any of you and be able to talk to you honestly and not have to worry about it becoming a big issue without other people finding out about it. Are you that kind of person that anyone in the church can come to and can confide in you in something and you will hold that on to? You will hold it in and you will not share with other people. And that's to say it's okay to share. It's very hard to do. Why? Because it's fun to talk about someone else's problems. Because it's not my problem. It's fun to talk about someone else's life because it's not my life that's messed up. And our sin nature likes to do that. Try and be very diligent at not gossiping, guys. Because it will tear our church family apart. And we cannot have that. We must be united closely together if we want to have any, I'm trying to think of the word, effectiveness. If we want to have any effectiveness for the kingdom of God, we need to be bonded together in love and respectful of persons. We are all different. And we need to get along. And we need to be able to trust each other. <clears throat> Let's go to uh, Proverbs 18.13. He who answers... Before listening, that is his folly and his shame. What is that talking about? He who answers before listening. Kind of going back to our original thought. You cut other people off when they're talking. In the middle of their conversation, you butt in and share your opinions. Have you ever played a game and someone's asking the question, but before the question is fully asked, you already got your hand up going, oh, I know the answer. All the time, because you think you know what's coming, right? Do you ever cut people off? I never cut my wife off in the middle of a conversation. Never. She's going to be a very good wife to keep her mouth shut right now. <laughs> I have a problem with cutting people off in the middle of a conversation. And here's why I usually have a problem cutting her off. It's because of this. I know that if I don't say what I'm thinking right now, 30 seconds from now, what's going to happen? I'm going to completely forget what I was thinking about. And it's so important that I share what I'm thinking about. She needs to know what's crossing my mind right now that I have to cut her off in the middle of her discussion with me to get this point across. She's trying to share with me about how horrible a day... No, no. She's trying to share with me how crazy a day it was in the Mac William home. And I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go to Cabela's right now. I just completely cut her off. You know, That's wrong. That's wrong. My wife is trying to share with me all right, about plans that she wants to do with me, a date that she wants to go with me, and I cut her off because I'm thinking about fixing my car. Okay? Whatever it might go. 
I cut her off all the time. It's wrong. Because I think that what I'm thinking about is more important. I place a higher value on my thoughts than her thoughts. What have I just done? I put myself higher than her. My thoughts, the things that I'm thinking about are more valuable than you. I'm more valuable than you. You're not that important. Listen to what I'm saying more importantly than what you need to say. Being a good listener is important. Here's what a good listener does to other people. Does for other people. If you are a person who can listen well, it shows that you respect the other person. It shows that you care about that other person. It says that that other person is important to you. What you're saying right now is such high level of importance to me that I value you. And what I'm thinking, I will put secondary to you. I value you. I value you. There are people in this room, I'm not going to name names, okay, I'll just point, that value so much that they listen to whatever you have to say, Xavier. He is always a listening ear. And your wife too. You guys are great encouragers. You're always willing to listen to what other people are saying. Because you value people. And you value us in this room. And it shows. You might be thinking to yourself, Maybe you've thought this before, that you have no friends, that you don't fit in. Who can I turn to and invest my time and words into? Maybe I have no, I just don't fit in this place. Have you ever thought that? I don't have the answer for you necessarily, but I'll tell you what here an answer might be, because I know it's been true of me. When I think that I had no friends and that I just don't fit in. Maybe, just maybe, is because I did not invite people to myself. Maybe I've turned people off from me. Maybe I have not been a good listener. Who are the people, if I think about, who are the people that I want to hang out with? Who are the people that I want to confide with? Who are the people that I want to be around all the time? Who are those people? What are they like? The people I want to purposely see every Sunday when I come here, out of selfish desires, right? The people that I want to go see, the people I immediately turn to and walk to, those are the people who have invested in me. They have taken of their life and invested it in me. They have put value on my life by listening to me, by being there to help me when I'm in need. And because I know they value me, I want to hang out with them. Have you showed other people that you value them, that you care about them, and they want to hang out with you now? James and Kim Clifford before our marriage even started, invested in us. And you know what? I look forward to talking with them because I know they value me and my wife. Xavier and, and uh, Elizabeth have invested in my wife and I's marriage. And you know what? I look forward to talking to them on Sundays. 
and I could go on and on and on around the room talking about people who have invested themselves into my life and my family, and I look forward to seeing them now. I want to be friends with them because they care about me. Flip that around. Do people want to be friends with me? Do people want to have a part of my life because they know that I value them? Because I want to listen to them. I want to be there for them. Do people think that about me? So, if you have difficulty thinking that you have friends, if you are thinking that you don't fit in, flip this scenario around and ask yourself the hard question. What have I proactively done? What steps have I taken to show people that I care about them? Have I said any kind words to them? Have I purposely gone up to it and encouraged them? Master of encouragement right there, Jean Izzo. Always got something good to say to me. I've had rough days and she's been there. Boom. She has no idea what I've been through this week. But man, she's got something nice to say to me today. I enjoy talking to her. Have you purposely thought ahead, planned out ways to invest in other people in this assembly? Have you proactively done that? And yes, it couldn't be through words. One, through listening. Two, being encouraging. It can also be through action. I know I'm not supposed to speak on action today, but I'm going to tie it in now. Have you actively done things to show people you value them? We should be doing that for each other as a family. Proverbs 11.25. Sorry, I flipped that. Dyslexia. Proverbs 25.11. It's actually not dyslexia. It's called dyscalculia. <laughs> dyslexia is where you read words in reverse. Dyscalculia, it's an official word, all right, is where you read numbers backwards, okay? It's the same thing, just different, different, little, little different uh, Disability, okay? So, Proverbs 25.11. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in, sil- in silver settings. Alright? Another translation says this. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstance. PowerPoint, Matt. Okay? So what we're talking about here is if a word is shared in the correct moment, it can be a beautiful thing. Alright? That, that's not my PowerPoint. Okay, that, that's not beautiful. It's supposed to be a beautiful picture. I want, I want, I can't move on without the picture. Alright, well, I guess I will be moving on without the picture. Okay? Um, Many a times, we full screen. There we go. So many a times, many a times, good words with good meaning, good intentions, they come short of doing the good that they hoped because they weren't at the right moment. Many times we try and share something that we are wholeheartedly, honestly trying to be helpful. And we share what we want to share to be helpful, 
And it doesn't actually bring across the help that we thought it would because we did it with poor timing. Okay? Good advice in the correct moment blesses both the giver and the receiver. It blesses both parties. But timing matters. All right? Now, what I, what I want to talk about is this here. This is um, apples in silver settings. When I first read them, I'm like, what in the world is a silver setting or settings of silver? I had to go look it up, right? Um, this is filigree. Anybody familiar with filigree? All right, I'm not an artist. I don't, I don't do artsy, craftsy things, okay? Filigree is this. It, it was a very, very fancy thing, all right, back in the times of when this was written for the kings. And what they do is they take long strands of gold or silver, like silver thread, but wire, right? All right, very small threads or, or strands of gold or silver wire. And someone would knit that, weave it, I don't know what you call it, not crocheting it together, but make it twist it into a nice ornamental basket. And this would be something that only the rich, the kings, all right, the queens, the high in society would have sitting on their tables. And they would put their fruit in it. Okay? This very nice ornate filigree. And I'm looking at that going, oh, that looks kind of tasty. Oh, that reminds me of a story. And, oh, this kind of fits into what we're talking about. How words in the right moment can really help someone out. All right. Every day when I go to work, I work in a wood shop now, a machine shop, and this is a teaching classroom. But listen, from 6:30 to 2 o'clock, I am covered in sawdust. It's in my nose, it's in my ears, it's in my eyes. All right, now I got special glasses to keep it out of my eyes because it feels tight. It's in my. I'm, I'm tasting sawdust all day long. My room is just coated with it. And no matter how much I clean it up, I keep, you know, it, it's a wonderful taste. But guess what? At 10.30, at 10.30 every day, I take a little break. I walk to my backpack, and I pull out my apple that was sitting in the fridge all night long. And I bite into the apple. I'll tell you what, outside of seeing my wife at the end of the day, that's the best thing right there. Because my mouth is just like paste of sawdust and MDF chippings, and it's just like, Ugh. and I bite into the apple, it just rinses everything down. It's sweet. It tastes good. I'm like, man, life is good again. I can move forward. I can keep doing this. Because it's, it's good. Has there ever been a time in your life where someone has said something to you and you weren't feeling so great? You're feeling dusty. And they just came along like a nice, sweet, crisp apple. And they were like, ah, you know what? I can do this. Here's my story last night. Well, we're supposed to be going on vacation in a couple hours to South Carolina. I got to travel 2,000 miles in the next four days. And uh, I dropped my car off at Town Fair Tire to take my studded snow tires off, put my summer tires back on. Now, winter tires with studs in them are so loud, you maybe hear me come in the parking lot. I don't hear any problems with the car because they're so stinging loud. I put my summer tires on in the afternoon and drove home. And I from the back tire. I'm like, oh, that's not good. That's not good. I never heard it before because the studs going click, 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 click on my tires. I never hear anything. I'm like, that's not good. Oh, shoot. How am I going to tell my wife we got a car problem? All right, let me confirm it's a car problem. I think it's a bearing. Take my car, jack it up in the driveway, start shaking a tire. Oh, no. Tire should have no play. It should not be shaken. Oh, my worst case scenario just came true. I have a bad wheel bearing. And I could drive to town. I could drive to church with it. I cannot drive to South Carolina with a bad wheel bearing. Because what's going to happen? The next thing I'll notice is I'll be driving, and my wheel is going to pass me going down the road. 
Okay? That's not a good day. That's a safety issue. I can't drive like that. It's like 3 in the afternoon. What am I going to do? I start calling every single auto remote repair within a half hour distance of me. I don't care what the price is, I'll pay. Not a single person says, yeah, they'll fix it for me by tomorrow. Not even the place is open on Sunday. I was like, oh, done. First, my buddy Ed was over. And I'm like, oh. Ed's like, I'll stick around with you tonight and fix it. And I'm like, yeah? He's like, yeah, I won't leave till it's done. I'm like, okay, awesome. Call around, find the parts, got the parts, we're in the driveway, we're on the ground for like five hours. Watch a YouTube video. How do you easily do it in one hour? I'm like, got this. Four hours later, it's dark out, and we got this one bolt. Can't get it off. Oh, I hate these. I hate working on cars. And I'm like, I'm like, Ed, you watch that. If it's twisting, we're okay. If the bolt's not twisting and the head twists, what's going to happen? Snap. And I'm like, he's like, it's moving, it's moving. I'm like, yes. Sing. He's like, um, and I'm like, um, snap. I just, I'm like, we're four hours into this job. We're halfway there. And I just fell down. I was just, I'm done. I have to go inside to my wife right now, who's been planning this vacation for months, and tell her we can't go. I was just, like, broken. For, for me being broken, I was like, I was really broken. And I was like, it's okay. We're going to fix it. I'm like, there's no way at 8.30 at night am I going to find the parts to fix this. Because without that bolt, my wheel will not stay on. The whole hub assembly holds on this one bolt. I'm done. No car dealerships are open. There's nowhere I'm going to find this custom 10.9 millimeter bolt to fit this axle. It's not going to happen. He's like, I'm not leaving until it's done. And in that moment, I just felt better. Because he had a nice word to say. He invested his time and his life with me. He was like a choice apple. In that moment, it felt good. And I needed it. Sure enough, we found the parts. By the grace of God, we found the parts. Got it back together at 9 o'clock last night. And now we can go on a trip. It's just like, thank you, Lord. Are you that apple for other people? Are you able to share the right words at the right time to lift people up. If you're a person who locks themselves in their house and does not interact with people, guess what? I can tell you right now, you're not that apple. Because the only way to be at the right place at the right time to share the right words, what does that require? You've got to be with people. You have to be with people in the midst of their actual life and what's going on. If Ed weren't there last night with me at 9 o'clock, he wouldn't have had the opportunity to share that with me and what have I done? I would have just quit. I'd be inside done. But his right words in the right moment encouraged me. I keep moving. And multiple people in this room have done that for me in my life. I thank you. Keep it going. I need more of it. And I hope that you're doing it for other people too, not just me and my family. Are you the person who is with people in real life scenarios ready to encourage? Right words in the right moment are encouraging.
I'll just read this one. Proverbs 15.23 A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good is it? Words that are shared in the right moment are good. Are good. Both to the speaker and even more so to the listener. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. That's Proverbs 16.24. One last section and we'll finish up here. I want to talk about the healing power of words. And this is going to be a challenging one for you, okay? This is a challenging one for me. Proverbs 14.9. Ready? Proverbs 14.9. Fools mock at making amends for sin. But goodwill is found among the upright. I want to read the first half again. Fools mock at making amends for sin. Paraphrased version. How are you asking for forgiveness? Making amends for sin means there's a scenario that's happened. The two parties are not agreeing with each other. Someone has offended the other. And a fool has said something, has done something that has offended someone and this fool mocks, laughs at making amends with that other person. There are three types of people that I could think of. I want you to ask yourselves honestly right now, which person are you? And this is hard. There's three kind of people out there. And, and this is the three people that I can think of in my own mind. Three classifications of people. You ready? So ask yourself, in your marriages, in your friendships, your college mates, alright, when you make mistakes, when you make mistakes, and you hurt others, you say things and do things you should not do. What kind of a person are you? You're writing a list off the three people. One, are you the kind of person that quickly recognizes that you've hurt someone? You made a mistake. You did something wrong. You offended someone. You hurt someone, maybe by your words or your deeds. Do you go to that person right away and seek forgiveness? Two, are you the kind of person where shortly after you see, you, you've seen that you were wrong? Maybe you walked away, you've cooled down, and you realize that, you know what? I've done something wrong. I, I hurt that person. You recognize that. You recognize that you've, made, that you've hurt that other person. But because of your pride and your shame, you wait a long time for things to pass and be forgotten. You hope that just time will heal it. And you never say anything about it. Or a third person. Are you so prideful that you refuse to admit that you've done anything wrong? 
You, you were someone who says, I did nothing wrong. And you, have you ever uttered those words to yourself? I've done nothing wrong. If you have to say that to yourself, that I've done nothing wrong, probably means you did something wrong. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to justify to yourself that you did nothing wrong. I only say that when I need to justify to myself that I'm fine. And by doing that, it really means I'm not fine. But I want to explain to myself why I don't need to say forgiveness. So, one, are you someone who recognizes your faults and seeks out forgiveness from that person? Two, are you the person who notices that you've made mistakes? You recognize them. You self-reflect and go, yep, I hurt that person all right. I did something wrong all right. But because of your shame and your pride, you will not ask for forgiveness. You hope that time smooths things out. You let time heal. And it just never gets dealt with. Or are you the person where you're just so prideful? You, you don't make mistakes. You never say anything wrong. You never say anything to offend people. You never do anything to offend people. You're just that perfect person. And you know it. Which person are you? It's really hard right now to self-reflect and be honest with yourself. Because this was hard for me to do. There are many times I do things and I just don't want to acknowledge it. I know I made a mistake, but I don't really want to acknowledge it in front of other people. I don't want to go say I'm sorry. There's only one person in that category who in God's eyes is a wise person. The other two people are fools. If you do not recognize you've made mistakes, or if you do recognize mistakes, and you don't ask for forgiveness, if you say you don't, that you've done nothing wrong, guess what? What does the Bible say right there? Fools mock at making amends for sin. God is calling you a fool. You lack good sense. God is calling us to self-reflect and ask for forgiveness. That is necessary in the body of Christ. There have been times where I didn't even recognize that I offended people in this church. And they've approached me. And I think that I, I want to say, thank you for doing that. You approached me and said, listen, you offended me. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Then what? There was, the, the relationship is restored. It's a beautiful thing. There's no shame anymore. There's no pride anymore. We're back to a loving couple again. Brother and sister in Christ, loving kind of way, right? You, you got it, right? In your marriage... There are people you've got to live with, day in and day out. Family members, brothers and sisters. You've got to live with them, you know. Things are much easier if you're willing to acknowledge that you are sorry. It's a hard word to say in truth. But if you can say that word, it's so much power, so much power in that word. Jesus Christ was the only person who never had to say those words. Because he never made a mistake. For the rest of us, though, we make mistakes. You need to be honest with yourself that you're not perfect. Sorry, Mariana. I know you're not perfect. Close, though. I pray that you would be reflective of yourselves and what you say. God calls us to be wise in our workplaces and the people that we interact with in the world. If you go to someone in the world and say you're sorry, they don't hear that often. They don't hear that. 
we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ should have no shame in his name to say sorry. You know what? I messed up. But because Christ compels me to love you, I'm going to say sorry. And it hurts. But guess what? They will recognize the power of God in you for it. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, our Father, I give you thanks that your name is great. That you reign supreme above all things. And Lord, you have given us a challenge here on earth that we should control our tongues. That we should be reflective of the things that we say, the things that we're going to say. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a body that encourages each other, that lifts each other up, that is willing to listen to each other. Where we invest our time, our emotions, and our listening ears into each other. Where everybody in the room knows that we value each other. That they are important to us. And Lord, I pray that if we do make mistakes, and when we do make mistakes, that we would be willing to go to the other person and say sorry. But Lord, you compel us to do that. You loved us enough to die. How much we simply love each other and say sorry to each other. Lord, we thank you that you give your all. We pray that we would be a body that imitates you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.